Welcome to the New Beginnings Community Church Podcast. Here at NBCC, we welcome the imperfect, flawed, and broken, as much as the healing and thriving, because we are all God's children. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. Well, hello again. Well, good morning to you too. Well, it's going to be a good day today. We're going to continue in our series, uh, Impact Events. This is week four right now. And uh, uh, after, when it's over, we're going to go into rough title, Easter Anthology, where we're going to take uh, five, four or five weeks, culminating with the resurrection on Easter Sunday. And I'm going to approach it at the beginning a little bit differently than I would normally. And I don't think I've ever done, say, an Easter series before. But we're going to do that. So it'll be one, two messages. And the third one's Palm Sunday. Then the fourth one will be Good Friday. And then the fifth one, then I'll do a 10-minute in between Friday and Saturday. That'll be online. Then I'll do an Easter Sunday message, uh, Why I Believe the Resurrection. So it should be pretty interesting. Amen? Okay, good. So today we're going to talk about... Um, in our series, Impact Events, uh, who's number one? Now, I've been walking with Christ for 42 years. That's a long time. And um, <clears throat> what I found is this. It's very easy for me to say that Jesus is number one in my heart, but it's not always the easiest thing to detect when He's not number one in my heart. Does anybody know what I mean by that? That I can sometimes drift off and make something else a little bit higher than Jesus in my life. I don't mean to, and you don't mean to as a follower, but it's a very slippery slope right there that sometimes we balance on. You know, we walk around and say, as a follower, I say, Jesus is Lord, and we can say Lord, like He's the Lord of my life, whatever He says goes, but we can actually be living like other things are higher priority. And it's easy to do it. We all fall into it. Some of us don't even know we fall into it. You know, I can say, uh, you know, I love God with all my heart, mind, soul, spirit, strength, like Jesus said, you know, greatest command. Um, and then not really live that, but know how to say it. It's amazing. See, we all have this ability, I, I do too, to make, um, to go through times where there's shorter, long periods when I can make something else, a person, stuff, uh, something I collect, a job, a home, a car. I can make something else number one in my life. It's so easy to fall into that trap. And uh, today I want to talk about that. And I want to begin first by going to um, Luke chapter 14, oh, something that Jesus said. If you have your Bible, you can turn there. If not, it'll be up on the screen. Something Jesus said is a really strong kind of a ugh, statement that um, I will, you'll read it and you go, huh? Some of you who haven't read a lot of the Bible yet. But watch what he says as we look at who's number one. Jesus says this. If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters. Now, if you ever share Christ with somebody, don't start off with that verse, okay? That's a, bit, that's a bad move right there. So... Um, and yes, as even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. So context is discipleship. That's the first rule. What's contextually what's being said. Um, verse 27. Whoever does not carry his own cross, come after me, cannot be my disciple. Once again, he refers disciple. So the context is disciple. Now, <clears throat> this whole statement right here, that we're to hate father or mother. Um, you know, this is one of those verses where... Um, 
you, this is what's dangerous about stuff online. There's good stuff online. There's bad stuff online. But you have bloggers out there that will take that verse, a verse like that, They'll bring it up, throw it at you, and see what kind of a God is Jesus, what kind of this and that. Why would you follow such a crazy person who tell you to do that? And that instantly tells you they know nothing about the Bible. They know nothing about what's said before, what's said after. They know nothing about the historical setting. They know nothing about the idioms of the Jewish people at that time. They know nothing about that. And so you and I live in 2021. And what we need to really understand what it's saying, we have to go back in time to understand what did it mean to the original hearers? That's a very important principle to interpret Bible correctly. Because you and I can read that and we get something totally different. But what did it mean to them? And only when I do that first can I then bring the application and what it means to us in 2021. Now, let me say this. And that's one rule right there. Let me give you another rule. That we know that can't mean to hate your mom and dad. It can't mean that because we know the Ten Commandments, one of the Ten Commandments says, honor your father and, and your mother. Well, how can you honor father and mother if you hate them? It's not like mothers say, mom, I honored you, but I really hate you today, okay? You don't, you're not going to do stuff like that. So now you know that it can't possibly mean, you just can't possibly be saying, hate mom and dad. Because now you're using the Bible to interpret the Bible. That's a rule right there. You cannot just take a verse out and say, there it is. No, you can't. That's what cults do. You let the Bible interpret the Bible. So what in the world is Jesus talking about? Let me tell you. What he's saying and what this actually means when he says, unless you can't come to be, be my disciple unless you hate mom and dad, sister, brother, etc. Some of you are going, well, I kind of like to hate my sister and brother. No, you can't do that. It literally means the idea of it is to love less. So it means I love God the highest and I just love everyone else a little bit less. It doesn't mean that I hate mom and dad. I just love God more than I love mom and dad. Does that make sense of the verse? Now, if you're still thinking, well, that's rather selfish of God. No, it isn't. No, it isn't. When you understand there are great reasons behind this, then it makes perfect sense. And one of the great reasons Pastor Charlie Headley shared a couple weeks ago when he shared the first two Sundays in January when I had COVID, then my wife got COVID. Remember those days? And so that was just last month, guys, okay? But anyway, um, Pastor Charlie shared from Psalm 115, and he, and he shared that it, there's a verse in there, and the whole idea of it, it's that whatever you and I worship, we become like. Haven't you ever met someone that's just about money and making more money and making more money? Do they care about other people? No, they become cold and lifeless like the money. Whatever we worship, we become like. It's a very simple principle, but it is a true principle. Now, if you take that, now it makes sense that I would worship and make God number one because whatever I worship, I, I become like. And so now, oh, okay, that makes sense that I would want to walk more and more like Jesus Christ because he's the perfect one. Now, hold that thought and let's get to our key verses for this series and our statement. So here it is. I want you to read it out loud with me. Even though you have your mask on, keep your mask on whenever you're on campus. That's what he has to do. As soon as I'm done preaching, I put my mask on. Here we go. One, two, three. Do not call to mind the former things. Or ponder things of the past. Behold, I will do something new. Now it will spring forth. 
Will you not be aware of it? I will even make a roadway in the wilderness. Rivers in the desert. Now let me explain again what this is talking about. And then I'll apply it. The literal idea here is what's going on is Isaiah is writing prophetically in the future. And before these verses, he has prophesied that Israel in Jerusalem, Babylon will come and will raid them, take them captive, raid the temple, take all the gold of the temple, take it all back to Babylon. That happens around 602 to 5 BC. I can't remember off the top of my head. That's when Daniel is deported there. Now, when we get to verse 18 and 19, now Isaiah is not writing 100 years in the future. He's writing about 170 years in the future of what's going to happen. Because they will be in captivity for 70 years in Babylon. The Persians will conquer the Babylonians and they will allow uh, Israelis to go back, rebuild the temple, and then Nehemiah goes back 445 B.C. He goes back to rebuild the wall. So he says, when you get to go back, there will be, that's an impact event. And when you go back in this impact event, don't call to mind the former things. Don't ponder things of the past. I'm going to do something new in your life. I'm going to do something, so I'm going to make rivers in the desert. In other words, whatever's dead and dry, I can bring life to it. I'm going to make a roadway in this wilderness, in the desert, where it looks like there's no way out. I've boxed myself in through dumb badness. Whatever it is, or life has turned God can open doors if you follow Him and let Him reshape your life. Amen? So, now, now we have a whole concept here that an impact event can reshape the future of my life, right? Which is our statement, impact events shape the future. Put it up there, let's read it all together. One, two, three. Say one more time. Go. Yeah, they surely do. So we're going to look at another impact event. We're going to look at a guy, a young man. The young man is rich. We'll find out later in the story. It's Matthew chapter 19. You have your Bibles. We're going to find out that this man owns a lot of property, a lot of rentals, whatever it is. I don't know if his parents gave it, let, gave it to him through inheritance or he, he caused it to happen. I don't know. But either way, the guy's rich and he's coming to Jesus with a question. How many know if you ask Jesus a question coming up to him, you read the Gospels, that you're going to get more than you bargained for? And it's going to happen to this man. He's going to ask a question. It's the, one of the most important questions of life that people need to ask themselves. And so let's pick up in the story because we're going to look at, because the whole question is about who's number one. Let's pick it up. Point, oh, by the way, I'm going to give you just two points a day. The first point is a fun one for me. The second point will deal with the impact uh, event. So point one, and that's this. The question, how good is good enough? Okay, let's read verse 16. Let's pick up the story. And someone came to him. That someone is this rich young man. We call him the rich young ruler. And said, teacher. Now notice whatever they call Jesus, that tells you what they think about. They think he's a great teacher. They can respect that. But he's nothing more than that. He's not a supernatural person. He's not God in the flesh. This man doesn't understand or see that yet. So he calls him teacher. What good thing shall I do that I may obtain eternal life? Now notice he says, what good thing shall I do to get eternal life? Now first off, it's telling you what the man believes. He believes there's a life beyond this world, right? 
And he comes to Jesus and he knows that from what he's heard probably, that Jesus believes there is a life beyond this world. Neither one of the two, and Jesus obviously isn't, because he came from, from a different dimension. He came from heaven and he's the creator of all things. They know and believe that there's another, another life beyond this life. They're not naturalists who believe in naturalism. Naturalism says that all we have is what's physical and that's it. You don't even have a soul, you have a brain, just a bunch of atoms bouncing off each other and that causes you to make decisions and you don't have original thoughts. That's all it is. Isn't that crazy? But that's what they believe. So they're not naturalists at all. They don't believe in naturalism. They believe in a life beyond. They believe there's, there's an eternity there. Now, the man comes to Jesus and he said, what good thing must I do in other words, how do I get salvation? How do I get to heaven? Well, what must I do? Now, that's, that's an interesting approach, and it makes perfect sense. Because Jesus has not died, buried, or rose from the dead yet, so this man is an Old Testament believer. He's in the if-then world. If I do this, then this will happen. He doesn't know grace. He doesn't know faith. He doesn't know those things yet, because they're not in place. Grace is not there yet as far as salvation. So, the question makes perfect sense. What must I do? But it brings up another idea, or another reality, and that's this. How good is good enough to get to heaven? That's what he's asking, right? Isn't he? I'll ask another question about that question. Is there an answer to the first question? How good do I have to be to be there? How good is good enough? There is no answer to that. And let me try to equip you and help you, okay? Because this, this is one of my key jobs to do, especially in, in our day and age, in the culture we live in now. Because I, I'm older, and I've seen where God was the mainstay in society, but it's, we've drifted from there in culture. You, you see that, right? Right? Because if you don't see that, I, I don't know what you're looking at. Now, people say, when you ask, you know, if you ever share with them, some, some people will say, well, I just keep the Ten Commandments. That's what I believe. I, the first question I ask them, could you, could you name all ten real quick? <laughs> they can't. I mean, it's rare they're going to name off. They're going to write, oh, yeah, they're, bop, 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 bop. And it's rarely going to happen. I go, can anyone, has anyone here kept the Ten Commandments? I know I haven't. Anyone? None of us keep the Ten Commandments. None of us do. I mean, has anybody coveted anything from anybody else? Oh, you broke it right there. Now, other people say, well, I just believe in being a good person and I'll get to heaven. And now, when they say that, I go, okay, now here we go. Now, I'm going to help you out with this to tell you this. Whenever, like, a pair of people come to my door, you know what I mean? Okay. I'm going to help you out right now. Okay. Now, they have a whole prepared speech. Okay, They're just prepared in speech. They're going to try to get you sta statement after statement. You need to break in quick. That's your first thing. And you need to quickly ask, well, how is, how is salvation achieved, whether you believe it's heaven or paradise? How do I get there? And they go, well, you just put your faith in, in Jesus Christ. They're going to say that to you. But you've got to push the issue. And now you say, wait, so I don't have to do any good deeds to get there? Oh, well, well, oh yeah. I go, so am I saved by good deeds? Because that's what they really believe. They are going to try to share, they're going to try to hide that. But you've got to get in there. So tell me, 
So if they say, oh no, you're saved by faith. So I don't have to do any good deeds. Well, yeah, am I saved by what I do? Do I have to do good stuff? You got to get in there. Once you get that pedal on the metal, press it hard and never get away from that. Because once they admit that I must do good deeds to get to heaven or paradise, whatever their concept is, then I ask this question. Remember this question. How many good deeds is enough? And then be smart about it. Say, 150? 275. 1,001. And then just be, you know, some of you are older, so you'll know when I say this. Play Columbo, okay? Columbo just, you play dumb, all right? But just ask, so let me ask this. So I just want to know at what point I do enough that now I know I'm secure and I'm going to heaven because I've, I've done my 1,075 good deeds. You see, the answer is, there, there's, there, nobody can tell you that. And if they say, well, there, there is none, you say, then how can I ever know that I'm really going to go to heaven? How can I ever be secure in that? And the answer is, you can't. Because how good is good enough? No one can. Nobody can be good enough. You can never do enough good deeds. Guys, 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 guys. See, here's the issue right here for you and I as believers or anyone that comes to God. And by the way, I don't do that to them to try to sound smart or to try to make them look foolish. I do that because I want them to try to rethink and see the reality that like what the world says out there, the culture says, all religions are the same. No, they're not. All religions are fundamentally different and at best superficially similar. And that's the truth. Christianity is the only one that's based on the grace of God and faith. Every other religion out there says you must do good deeds and good works. That's how you get to heaven. They all don't even have the same concept of God, the same concept of Jesus, the same concept of sin, the same concepts towards man. They all disagree on all those things. And so when somebody says they're all basically the same, they just, they don't know what they're saying, that person right there. Because they're all different. But Christianity is the only one it says, you're saved by the grace of God. God came down to you because you couldn't work your way up to Him. And by faith in Jesus. Now watch what Ephesians ch- chapter 2, verse 8 and 9 says. Very important verse for, you, for a follower of Christ. It says, for by grace. That means God's favor to you and I that we could never even earn by doing good deeds. For by grace you have been saved through faith. That's putting our faith, our, means, the word means trust, our trust in Jesus with my life, I give it to you. I believe in your finished work on the cross. I believe you died. I believe you rose from the dead to give me life. I'm trusting you. You're God in the flesh. And that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Verse 9, not a result of works. In other words, how good is good enough? Nobody can be good enough. So that no one may boast. You're not saved by what you do. You see, after we become a follower of Christ, now we do good deeds because the Spirit of God lives in us and Jesus is our Lord and we want to do good deeds. Any amens? And you want to serve God. Not because it's going to make me more saved. Let's be honest now in this room. I'm trying to free you. Um, okay. How many of you had chocolate ice cream last night? No, that's not the question right there. That's not what I... How many of you, when you sin? You instantly feel like you have to start doing some good deeds to make up for that. Come on, be honest. Raise your hand. Come on, raise your hand. Come on, come on. Yeah, okay. See, that's all false, false doctrine right there. Because you're trying to do good deeds to make yourself saved again. You're already saved. 
You're already under the blood. You're already declared innocent. You say, forgive me, Lord. It's washed. It's done. And you don't have to start doing more good deeds to feel okay. You're already okay. Because you could never make yourself okay in the first place. Only Jesus come down to earth could do that job for you because you and I could never be good enough. So how good is good enough? Can't be good enough. Only one is good and that is God. He came down to Jesus Christ and he saved us. Any amens on that right there? Now let's get back to the story because I like the story. Okay, look at Matthew 19. Now we're going to pick it up now because he asked the question. He asked Jesus, what good deed must I do to have life eternal? And here comes the answers. And he said to him, here's Jesus speaking. He says, <clears throat> why are you asking me about what is good? Because in that day, the only one they would apply the word good to was God. And it's not that Jesus is saying, I'm not God. He just wants to know, why are you saying that? He says, there is only one who is good. But, he gets to the question. If you wish to enter into life, eternal life. Keep the commandments. Remember, this is an Old Testament believe in man. Jesus has not died and risen from the dead yet. He goes, keep the commandments, because that's what the man understands. And he asks, what must I do? And then the man pushes the envelope. He asks another question, which I would have left it alone right there. Then he said to him, which ones? as if you can keep some and not the others. Oh, there's modern-day American Christianity. Which ones? Jesus says to him, okay, shall not murder, shall not commit adultery, shall not steal, shall not bear false witness, honor your father and your mother, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. The man hears that. And he says, the young man said to him, all these things I have kept, I'm feeling good about myself. And then he pushes it again. He says, what am I still lacking? Now Jesus doesn't say this out of hate. And once I read it, I need to explain it. So you've got to pay attention to what's going on here. Like I said before, you've got to know what it's meaning, the context, what's going on. Because somebody's going to take this first and say, see, this not, it's because they don't understand the scriptures. Jesus said to him, if you wish to be complete, which means full of age, mature, that you're growing and you become this perfect person. If you wish to be complete, you go and you sell your possessions. In his mind, he's thinking, I just got a 2021 donkey. It's just brand new. <laughs> Are you kidding me, man? You see the wheels on this thing? It's my favorite color, midnight blue. I got to paint it. Go yourself, give it to the poor. What? And you will have treasure in heaven. And once you do that, you come and follow me. Yikes. Scary. When the man says which commandments, for us to fully understand the magnitude of the question, he's not asking what you and I assume is just the Ten Commandments. They 
had 613 commandments. That's a lot, huh? He wants to know, okay, which one of the 613 do you want me to keep? And it's almost like he's saying, oh, I guess there's certain ones I can keep and it gets me to heaven. You know, where's my e-ticket for Disneyland back in the 70s? <clears throat> Jesus only gives him six commandments when he asks the first question. He says, I've kept them all. But then he says, anything else? And that gives you a hint to humanity in the relationship and understanding of God. He still feels insecure, does he not? Is it, what else? What else do I, that, that can't, can't be good enough, what else? Remember that, how good is good enough. You can never feel good enough unless you allow Jesus to come and cleanse you of your life. Only he can do that. Well, here it comes now. That's the second point, and that's the impact statement. Point two, impact event. Jesus exposes what is number one in all of our hearts. There's no one exempt if they pursue God. He will expose it. Now, the man, he, uh, verse 21, let's watch, let's read this. Did I read verse 21 already? Okay, let me read it again. I got to read it again. Okay. Jesus said to him, if you wish to be complete, go and sell your possessions. Yeah, I read it too soon, didn't I? Man. Okay. It almost makes it anticlimactic. Okay, here we go. Go and sell your possessions and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me. <laughs> if you're the man and you're rich and you got properties and you got a nice home, and you got a nice portfolio in your retirement and your savings and everything else. And he says, go sell it all and give, take that money and give it to the poor. What's going on in your head? Come again? Or why did I even ask the question? This is the verse that terrifies American Christianity because we don't understand the core issue. God is not against you having stuff or retirement money or savings. Not, he's not against any of that stuff. The issue is here is who is God in your life? What is God in your life? Now let me give you understanding. Because there's another verse that somebody out there is going to say, because they see what God's telling you. They, they don't get it. They don't understand the scriptures because they have no spirit in them. They're not letting the Bible interpret the Bible. They don't understand what it meant to the original hearers. They don't know any of that stuff. So here, let me explain what's going on because it's really cool. Jesus, how many of, like I said last week, have you ever noticed how smart Jesus is? Has anyone noticed that yet? He's like, he's real smart. Question. What are the first two commandments of the Ten Commandments? The first one is, you shall have no other gods before me. The second commandment is, you shall not make an image or a likeness of me like they, like they could and then worship him don't make any image or likeness of God and then go worship that and by the way I'll give you a sidebar God has already created an image of himself who is that? you you're created in the image and likeness of God Genesis 1 26 27 that's you that means you have honor and dignity that means you have identity. That means you have worth. And so does everyone else that you walk around. Every human does. Every human. Once you get that, that there's something unique that God has created about you, it changes your perspective on everything, does it not? And that you have this God that lives in you and has a divine path for your life. Doesn't it open up more possibilities in your life? At least mentally, doesn't it? Someone say yes! Okay, whew, I felt bad there for a second for you. Now, 
So Jesus, the first two commandments, you shall have no other gods before me, you shall not make an image or likeness there to worship him. Now here's the thing, here's the thing. When he asked which commandments, did Jesus include those two commandments? And the first, the sixth, the sixth commandment, did he include those? No, he doesn't. No, he doesn't. This is smart preaching. This is smart communicating. This is smart parenting. Because what Jesus is doing is this. If he would have just said the first two commandments and then named the other six, what would the man have said? Well, I've kept all those. But instead of just naming the first two commandments the way they are, what does Jesus do? He takes them, reforms them into application for the man. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make an image or likeness to worship it. What is God in the man's life? What is God in the man's life? His stuff. Does he have another God before God? Yeah. Does, has he created an image and likeness that he worships apart from God? Yes, he has. You know what this scares me about this verse? And it should scare you too. It means that you and I can read this Bible. These glorious words of God, inspired by God, and never get convicted, and never feel challenged, and never have transformation, because we can just read it word for word and go, oh, I, I do that, I'm okay. Until it's explained and practicalized in our life, we go, <gasps> that's me. That's me. I have violated that right there. See, what Jesus just did in the man's life when he says, go sell it all, give it to the poor, he exposed in the man's heart. Here's the, the crux of the story. He exposed in the man's heart what truly is number one in his life. You get that? So it leads to the impact event. The question is this. What is really number one in your heart and my heart? What is it? Really, what is it? Because whatever is number one, whatever we worship, guess what? What is it? We, we become like. It's just that simple. Now watch what the man does. And I don't blame him. I'd have done the same thing. Watch what the man does once Jesus tells him what to do. Verse 22, here, here it is. But when the young man heard this statement, he went away grieving. For he was one who owned much property. Whoa, man. That means the impact event didn't impact him. Well, it did, but he didn't play it right. He refused it. He rejected it. And he walks away from the situation. Now let me say some balanced statements that so we don't walk away in, with incorrect thinking. What the whole idea of the story is is this man's got something that he'll always hold higher than God. And how many know faith doesn't work that way? God is not against us having stuff. He really isn't. But we can't have stuff or a person or a boyfriend or a girlfriend or a spouse or a job or an education. It cannot be above God. It cannot be our primary pursuit. Jesus has to be primary. So the whole idea is make Jesus number one in our lives. And that's not easy to continue, is it? As we said earlier. Now, 
Do you remember, and I'm gonna, we're going to date some of ourselves right now. Remember back when you had a landline at your house phone? Anybody remember that? Didn't you feel funny the first time you got rid of it and you're going to go with a cell phone? Almost like somebody's going to break in my house and I'm going to go, cell phone, oh my God, I hope I get network. But remember you used to have on, on your phone, you'd have the names there and one, two, three, four, five. Remember that? Your speed dial, remember that? And then one and two and three, those are like people you really liked a lot. And if you were like number 10 or 12 on somebody's speed, if they went, I can't remember what that went for. But if you were, you're like, okay, you're okay with them or they're okay with you. Now, Jesus needs to be what number on the speed dial? Okay, I set you up. He needs to be all of them. He needs to be all of them. He's primary. He's, pri- He's on the speed dial, man. Now, here, back to the key issue, and then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do something. Whatever is number one in our life, whatever we worship, we become like. This is a very important truth. Okay, I brought this bag of tricks because, you know, my name's Felix the Cat. No, I'm just joking. Do they sell Felix the Cat cartoons? Yeah, no? No? They don't? But I have props. Okay, you like props? Okay. Okay, I, I threw away my ending because God was giving me this other ending to the message and I think it makes more sense. So I got to look at my notes because it was like, I'm writing this yesterday and last night. So, um, In Psalms it says, the heavens declare the glory of God. In other words, you look around, look at the mountains, look at the streams, look at creation, look at the stars, look at everything. Especially the stars, you look at this vast universe and our galaxy, the Milky Way galaxy, is one of the smallest there is. And it's what, one or two billion stars? And Paul tells us that all of creation declares the glory of God. But, as I said earlier, humans, we carry the image of God. That's different. All of creation declares the glory of God, but you and I carry the image of God. We're the highest creation. Never forget that. We're not on the same plane as animals as the culture says. No, we're the highest creation. That's a done deal. It's a fact. But then, um, and by the way, when it says created in the image and likeness of God, we've been created with a higher intellectual ability and with a moral likeness to God. We can walk in morality. We have those abilities that God put in us. Now, something went wrong. And it went with Adam, and it went wrong with all of us. God forms us, then we sin. Sin deforms us. Jesus comes along, we put our life in His hands, follow Him, and Jesus reforms us. You follow that? God formed me, sin deformed me. I have plenty of time to sin before I came to Christian. I've sinned after I became a Christian. It deforms me, but Jesus reforms me. I'll be the first one to, you know, I, I know you guys think I'm perfect and stuff. I get it, okay. But I got baggage, man. I got hang-ups. I got stuff I wish, man, I just wish I could get past it. Anybody know what I mean? Anybody? Now, how many humans out there? Just, I'm just checking. We might have some automatrons, I don't know. Since we have all these things and God formed us, sin deforms us, Jesus reforms us, what if, what if, what if there was a person, oh wait, a perfect person? What if there was a perfect person 
that lived perfectly and I could model my life, follow them and model my life after them, would that be worth it? I think so. Because they're perfect. Well, guess what? There is a person like that. His name is Jesus Christ. He is God in the flesh. And he comes to earth a couple thousand years ago. But he always existed. But he came into flesh at that time. And now I have this person that I can model my life after. Now, <clears throat> because remember, whatever I worship, I... I what? I become like. Thank you very much. Now, <clears throat> props. Let me try to explain it this way. I got a Raider jersey. Oh, very few Raider fans in here. Okay. How many Raider people? So second service doesn't have Raider people. First service did. They went, a few of them went nuts. Yeah. But some of you are Raider fans. You have Raider masks, Pancho. You have Raider hats. You have Raiders on your back window of your vehicle. You have Raider banners at your house. You have your Raider coffee cup. You have, you have Raider t-shirts. It's like you're all Raidered out. Raider tattoos. I forgot about that one. I have it in my notes too, but I forgot to say that. But we all, most of us have a sports team, right? So do I. I'm a UCLA basketball fan. That's who I am. <laughs> Looks cool, huh? Oh, wait, wait, wait. Not only do I have that, I got a UCLA t-shirt. This is one of many throughout the decades, okay? Have you say t-shirt. Oh, oh, wait, wait, wait. Wait, and I didn't bring everything. Oh, this is... This is my UCLA hoodie that Olivia got me for Christmas. Right, right, right. So I got that. Oh, 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 wait a minute. I got a, I got a, what? Even though I'm not the biggest football fan of UCLA, but um, they're still my team. I got a, a UCLA football jersey. Lencho gave it to me about 12 years ago. Go ahead, take a picture so you can post it and show everybody. <laughs> and, and it has my name on the back. Right? Right? So if I walked on campus, they'd probably sign me right up. Yeah, right. But I got that, okay? I guess you didn't have your camera out fast enough first service, huh? Oh, what? Wait a minute here. I got another UCLA hoodie. Oh, my gosh, I got another one. This one's from the UCLA bookstore. That makes it right on the money and fish. I got another one of these. Things. Oh, wait. Wait. What? What? I got a UCLA muffler. Wait. And I did this on purpose on my back. I got a UCLA mask. Woo! I'm all UCLA out, huh? Now, here's the thing. You all do, you all have, if you have a sports team, you know this. I can put all this stuff on. It can be all UCLA, decked out, everything. And once I get everything on, well, now I'm wearing the image of UCLA. Am I not? Am I not? 
And if you were to talk to me about UCLA basketball, I could take you all the way back to 1968 and 2021 and talk all about UCLA basketball. That's how much I follow. I got newspaper articles in a drawer at home from the 70s, early 70s, when they were winning NCAA titles. I kept all those sports page, front pages. Because I'm so into UCLA, if I put all this stuff on, I would be an image bearer of it. Because they're number one in my life as a sports team. The same way that some of you are Raiders fans or Rams fans or Lakers fans and whatever you may be. I carry the image. And because I carry the image and I do this, I also can, like I said, I could talk about it and I sound like it too. I almost forgot the hat. But the same is true with God. Romans 8.29 says that we're to conform to the image of Jesus. So the more I make him number one, the more I bear the image. Right? Right? Because whatever I worship, whatever I make number one, I become like. That's why this is so important. Let me tell you where it works for me and I think for you. When I make Jesus one and work very hard on that slippery slope to keep him number one, little by little by little by little by little for the rest of my life, I become a better person. I become a better dad. Little by little by little by little, I become a better husband. I become a better granddad D. Some of you remember that. Little by little by little by little, I become a better friend. I have more love for people. Little by little by little. I don't walk around irritable and impatient. Everything, everything and everybody has to adjust to my standards. That's just sheer stupidity. Little by little by little by little, I have deeper peace in my life. Walk through a crisis year like 2020, still have peace in it. Little by little by little by little, I have such a deep, such a deep joy in my life that you can't rob from me, that no one can take from me. And why do I have all these things little by little by little by little? Because as I make Jesus number one, and so do you, and worship him as number one, it's no longer me anymore. Jimmy Del Campo died August 12, 1979, and little by little by little by little, he's being conformed into the image of Jesus. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives within me. I've been replaced. I've been replaced with Jesus. And little by little by little by little, as I continue to worship him and make him number one, I change into his image. So is it important who or what you make number one in your life? I'll take a 60s term. You bet your sweet bippy it is. Some of you remember that show, huh? It's real important. It's real important. So no matter what, whatever's going on, you keep Jesus number one. You fight hard to keep him number one because it's easy to slide in and out of that. It happens to me. It happens to all of us. Amen. Let's pray.
Let's pray. As we sit here today and finish out and close out the service, whether you're here or at home, or you're going to watch this on YouTube later on or five months from now, I want to make sure of something, because I talked about this early on. I want to make sure of your salvation. Because you can never be good enough. You can never do, do enough good deeds to get to heaven, to get into eternity with Jesus. Nobody can. That's why he came down for you. How good is good enough? There's only one good, and that's God, Jesus Christ, and he came down to save us. So I'm going to give you an opportunity. If you've never put your faith in Jesus Christ, and you'd like to, well, today's the day. Let's set it right. And if you backslid, let's get it right. Let's come back to Jesus. Let's make him number one. Maybe he hasn't been number one in your heart for a long, long time. He hasn't given up on you. He's not mad at you. He wants you back. Because he ultimately knows what I taught today, that whatever we make number one, we become like. So I'm going to say a prayer. And if you want to put your faith in Jesus for the first time or rededicate your life, I want you to repeat my words, putting your faith in Jesus, not in me. I want everybody here in the church, here in person, I want you to repeat it with me so they're not alone. Those of you watching online, and there are many of you, if you're out there and you want to put your faith in Jesus, rededicate your life, you repeat this prayer too. So here we go, all together. Thank you, Jesus, for loving me so much that you would die on a cross for me, become my substitute for my sins, to open a door to heaven, to eternity. Forgive me of my sins. And through your shed blood, I know I'm forgiven. I put my faith in you today. Today I become a follower of you, Jesus. Now everyone let me pray. God, I pray, Jesus, I pray, Holy Spirit, I pray for everyone who said that prayer for the first time or in rededication. Man, I, I hope that they come to greater knowledge of your love and who you are through the scriptures. I hope, I hope. I just thank you for your word, God. It's so clear and it gives so much life when we truly take the time to truly understand what it's saying. Thank you, thank you. Thank you for all the salvations. I thank you that all of heaven rejoices over anyone who repents and comes to you, Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray, and we all say, Amen, amen and Amen. Would you stand up with me, everybody? If you need prayer or dedicated your life to Christ, please reach out to us on our social media, on Facebook and Instagram at NBCC Norco, or email us at hello at NBCC.com. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to share and subscribe to this podcast.